The following podcast is a proud member of the Blue Collar Roots Network. Find all the shows by visiting bluecollarroots.com. You found the Building HVAC Science Podcast. Here's the host, Bill Spohn. Welcome back to another episode of the Building HVAC Science Podcast. It's our goal here to create a better, more knowledgeable HVAC and building performance world by helping the two professions of HVAC and building performance work together better, understand each other with the ultimate goals of making customers happy in the homes they live in and the buildings they work in. I've been in building performance and HVACR world for almost 30 years, and I've noticed some significant changes and some movement lately. Maybe it's just my perspective. I don't know what's going on. But today, we're going to talk with Nate Adams. Nate and some other fine fellows have helped create, work together to create something called Home Performance 2.0. So building science principles are few and fairly straightforward, perhaps even ordinary, if you want to consider that. A lot of it relies on looking at the movement and controlling the flow of heat, air, and moisture. And keep that principle in mind, HAM, H-A-M. But like so many things in this world, the devil is in the details. Listen in as I chat with my good friend Nate Adams, perhaps a true genius, as I get an update on his extraordinary execution of some ordinary measures in this new concept of Home Performance 2.0. Again, this is an update. This is a follow-up to an episode 36 of the Building HVAC Science Podcast, where I interview two of the practitioners, Neil Comparetto and Michael Hausch. He covers a lot of things about measurements, and that's very near and dear to my heart. And that's the core of what they do in his HP 2.0 army, what they're all about. For a more complete overview, tune in to a recent recording of a webinar he did on HP 2.0, and you'll find that at www.bitly.ly forward slash Nate, his first name, N-A-T-A, and uppercase, dash HP, uppercase 2.0. So that's Nate dash HP 2.0, all uppercase. Okay, enough of me talking. Let's listen in and hear what Nate has to say about some updates on Home Performance 2.0. Good morning, Nate. Good morning, Bill. Good to be back on. Thank you. Thank you for coming back. Today, this conversation, this podcast will be based on a recent presentation that they did in conjunction with Retrotech, the blower door company, blower door duct leakage tester company. And the presentation was on Home Performance 2.0. And the title of the presentation was Homeowner Delight plus Contractor Delight plus Results Competition equals Scale. That's a lot of density to those words. They're very impactful words. So peel this apart for me. First, tell me, what's the intent about reaching scale? What does that mean to you? Well, we've talked in the past about how high-performance homes, which we define as comfortable, healthy, long-lasting, and efficient, are unfortunately more of the exception presently than they are the norm, particularly in the existing homes space, which is upwards of 100 million homes in the U.S. alone. So the whole purpose of 2.0 is to make those the norm and not the exception. And so that's the scale aspect of it. Would you have like a number in mind or would you consider like, or do you have like tiers? I assume there's just like anything that grows, there's, there's got to be tiers to this. Well, as I got into later in this presentation, if you want to take over a market, totally shift something, you need to see very high annual growth rates. And it's more of a gut feel than anything, but the number that we have settled on is about 40% per year growth. 
And to be able to deliver that level of growth is pretty intense. Like you have to have systems that can handle very, very fast growth. You need to have a network that can handle fast growth. Like there's all sorts of things that have to be in place infrastructure wise to be able to do that. And that's what we're trying to build here. Let's drop back a little bit and define Home Performance 2.0 for those who are listening who haven't heard about it yet. Oh, sure. It's a little bit tough to fully define 2.0 because it's going to be so many different things. Oh, you have sympathetic ears here. Go ahead. Wing it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The closest I've come to it is a complete system to solve complex problems reliably and profitably with entry-level talent. And this is specifically in homes and particularly in existing homes. And this whole system is built for HVAC contractors because they're an existing network out there and they're already in the house. And they're also the people that homeowners think of when it comes to comfort. So like, it's perfect. They're already in the house once or twice a year. They're basically the only contractor that does that. And they're already the go-to for comfort. And that's the major selling point with home performance is delivering better comfort. So HVAC contractors, we didn't mean to get there. Originally, we were thinking maybe we could build a separate network, but it's become very obvious that HVAC is the way to do this. Yeah. If you're looking to scale, you got to latch on to whatever you have already going for you out there. It's important. Yeah. 40% growth needs to work on existing infrastructure. Right. And other people have been pursuing HVAC contractors for this kind of work for a long time with other, I think, similar intent. Can you name a couple of those people and sort of like the history of that? I mean, this is also to illustrate that you're not alone. I think you're unique to some extent, but you're not alone. Yes. So I'm trying to think, maybe I should ask you to answer that question first. Who comes to mind for you? Well, it'd be the late Mike Rogers. Oh, yes. Yeah. Mike was obviously trying to figure this one out and developed a whole kind of franchise model for that. Were there synergies between what he was where You did do some co-education with him. Were there any synergies between what he was looking at or any unique attributes that, that you looked at or brought together there? So the big difference with what Mike was looking at, I think, was that he was trying to find a way to do this with largely a one-call close. And what we've found is when you're talking these higher dollar projects, it typically takes more than one call to get clients comfortable with making a decision. You can one call close, say, up to 10 grand. Somebody who's good can one call close up to 10. Somebody who's average can probably one call close five to seven. But as soon as you get beyond $10,000, it typically takes another call. And like Mike tried really hard to find a way to scale and it just hadn't quite worked. He was working with HVAC contractors on the ground as a consultant, building home performance into them. But the curse was, I don't know that you can go door to door there needs to be a different type of system to be able to support the type of growth that we would like to see. So this is going to end up being a piece of software. And this is not where I saw this going a few years ago. (laughs) I had no idea what the form was going to be, but this is where it has ended up. To be able to scale fast, we need to have a very replicable system that preferably can work with entry-level talent because that's who we're going to have to play with for the most part. Even guys that are really good at HVAC, home performance is still new. 
And so it's going to take them some time to get up to speed. So they're going to start at an entry level. And then the guys who want to learn, they're going to blow right past everyone else. And they're going to blow past us, frankly. I'm curious to watch a bunch of these practitioners kick our butts in results. But the whole thing is based on being very consultative. It's actually based on the Sandler sales process, which is kind of an anti sales process. Like if you are selling and using Sandler, you're doing something wrong. You should be asking questions. It's Columbo. Just one more thing. You look like a bumbling idiot. That's actually very much how you want to be because you want to make the homeowner and the client feel okay while you're not okay. If you know, like the whole thing of kids being okay. You're bothered by their problems, right? You're sensing what's wrong, but we want them to come there with you to be in the same space, in the same frame of thinking. Is that correct? Yes. You need to let them get to an emotional state. And to do that, you have to lead them by being in an emotional state to some degree yourself. You need to show them like almost some weakness and it's some empathy so that they're willing to open up to you. Because the first time you ask somebody a question, they give you what's called intellectual BS. And I'm not talking building science. Or my initials. Uh, Yes. Yeah. Neither of those. The first time you ask someone a question, they'll be like, oh yeah, the second floor is a little bit warm, but it doesn't really bother me. That's intellectual BS. You have to keep asking questions to get to where they will tell you what's going on. And Sandler is heavily about asking questions. And frankly, I still suck at it. I had too much training with standard sales techniques, and I'm constantly fighting those instincts and learning new instincts. But uh, the more you get to know clients and the more space you give them to open up and understand what problems they have and what they want to solve and then what those problems are worth solving, all of a sudden you see your project sizes increase. I mean, uh, back when I was an insulation contractor, our average project was about 2,500 bucks. And the number that you probably heard more than once at this point is our average project with Energy Smart is 27,600. And if anything, that's likely to be going up right now. We've done a couple of small projects that will pull it down in like the six to $10,000 range. But we've got a project that's beginning next week that is about a $45,000 budget. And then a project in Pittsburgh that's a nearly $60,000 budget that's starting in the middle of June. So these projects are getting big. And it's not because I am a good sales guy. It's because we have a very, very strong process that if you stick with it, you're going to come out the other side and end up selling things that just shock you that it happened. Like that. I'm still just continually shocked. Like they said yes to that. Really? Wow. That wasn't me. But you don't get every order and you're not seeking to get every job or to close every lead, correct? No, but ironically, by not worrying about closing, the whole purpose of this is to educate people and then offer them choices. And then once you give them choices, every time they make a choice, they own part of the results. So now you're not on the hook for 100% of the results. Now you share, now you're partners. So our job as practitioners is mainly to educate people well and do the best that we can at explaining what different options are and the consequences of different paths, and then let the client choose. And when you do that, they will surprise the heck out of you. Yeah. I mean, give them the opportunity to surprise you. So you've got some things, some terminology that conflicts. Use entry-level talent to solve complex problems. 
educate people where they may have no basis at all. How do you accomplish that? How do you change? What have you done to help entry-level talent solve complex problems? Or on the other hand, and maybe it's two questions, and then how have you found a way to educate consumers to bring them up to the level where you can have this conversation? All right. I'm probably going to forget one of those questions. Okay, so. I'll, I'll put one and two on paper here <laughs> and we will keep track. All right. So entry-level talent, complex problems. So let's start with an analogy. Do you eat fast food? Is that fast food fairly consistent wherever you are? I hope this may be rhetorical questions, but I'm going to answer them. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, they are, but I still want you to answer. So thank <laughs> okay. you. How does McDonald's and Taco Bell and Chipotle and all of the other fast food chains out there, how do they manage to deliver consistent product with entry-level talent? I mean, it's minimum wage talent. How do they do that? I would say it's really strict processes in limited selection. Yep. So how do you think we're going to accomplish this? Have really strict processes and, and limit the selection. Yep. There you go. And also use some, maybe invest more in tools, if you will. And tools can be various things, but. It's simple training. So the first piece of HP 2.0 and the most important piece is the AB choice. So you're offering clients the choice between path A and path B. So there's limited choices for you. Path A is a free quote, which is what most HVAC contractors are used to doing, but they generally hate doing it, particularly the smaller guys, because they usually don't have a strong process for it. So they're just kind of winging it and oftentimes following the customer lead. And customer lead is consistently to get as much information for free as possible and then say, oh, you're the best sales guy I've ever worked with, but didn't buy anything from. That's just consumer instinct. We all do it to salespeople. We ask them a bunch of questions, we extract a ton of information, and then we leave them in the lurch. So uh, path A basically lets them do that to some degree, but it limits it a lot. So it's like, okay, so you have to tell me what you want. So if you just want to replace like with like, happy to do that. You have an 80,000 BTU furnace and a three-ton air conditioner. We'll just replace like with like. Don't expect any changes. And if you have any further questions, those aren't covered by the free quote. So now you limit your time and now you aren't going to waste two, three, four hours between phone calls and going to the site and all that sort of thing. You should be able to limit your time greatly on the free quotes because your closing ratio is probably going to suck on those anyway. And closing ratios are one of the keys to profit margin. If you're spending hours and hours and hours wasting time on tire kickers, that's time you're not getting paid for. And so that's money that you are not making. And I'm not a profit fiend by any means, but losing money is not sustainable. I mean, we have to run profitable companies to continue and to grow. So anything we can do easily to help that is good. So path A is, I'll give you a free quote. If you tell me you want bigger, I'll be like, sure, sign here that this is what you asked for and that you're taking responsibility for the results of that, which will scare the heck out of clients and probably make them much more prone to go a better direction. Or at least listen. Yeah, exactly. It's an offer and decline the whole time. So we've even heard of a couple of HVAC contractors out there that are asking clients to take pictures of the model numbers on their indoor and outdoor units, and then pictures of the units themselves. And they're just doing a free quote with that, not even a site visit. Like, I know you're a tire kicker. <laughs> you told me you're getting five bids. I know that this is now a price game. I don't want to play price games. 
now you have a path. So that's path A is I'll give you a free quote, but there's no free consulting. So there's none of the back and forth. You could do this or you could do that. And well, we could solve this problem or that problem. Stop the free information and the free consulting now because it will make your life better and you will get happier clients and you will be happier yourself. Path B is the home comfort consult. Before we leave path A, breaking that habit has got to be very difficult. Yes. I would think. Maybe we could come back around to speak on that, but I'd like to see how you've helped people through that journey, maybe taking that journey yourself. You did mention that it's hard to do. It's really hard to do. So how I solved it personally is my website no longer has my phone number on it. It's not there. And my contact info is really hard to find. I don't even know if it's still on there, frankly. So the only way to get in touch with me personally is to fill out a lead form. And it's literally 20 questions. And not many people make it through that. So it qualifies people. I won't take phone calls anymore from prospective clients because it turns into them extracting information from me for a half an hour, an hour. And usually I talk them out of it, (laughs) which is not useful. So we have heavily qualified leads. But what we're going to do instead for making the A-B choice, so B being the home comfort consult, which we'll get to, it's a blower door test, it's a, a load calculation, and it's a specification that you get paid to do. So it may not be paid a fortune, but it should at least cover your time and hopefully have a small profit on it. So now you're getting paid to do quotes where previously that was an unpaid activity, and that's a major shift of business model. But before that, what you'll do is ask four questions to every client. So this could be your CSR when a phone call comes in. This could be your website. This could be your service tech. This can be the owner, whoever it might be. So you ask four questions on a scale of one to 10. How much do these problems bother you? And it's like heating problems, cooling problems, health problems, and moisture problems is what the questions are. And you rank them from one to 10. And if you have a high score on any one of those, you probably should get the comfort consult because just swapping equipment is very unlikely to solve problems. Very unlikely. You can expect the same. I mean, was that Einstein? Insanity is... It was. The definition of insanity. Yeah. Yes. Can't change things by doing the same thing over and over again. Something to that effect. Yeah. And you can't solve them with the same level of thinking Problems can't be solved at the same level of thinking that they were created with. We have to do something differently to solve problems. So if in those four questions, there is one very high answer or the total score is on the high side. So your score is between a zero and a 40 from that quiz. And so if there's a high score, that's going to lean the client towards B. So what we're hoping for is it's maybe something like 50-50 split or maybe a little bit more A. And A seems like a bad thing. So one of our beta guys, Mark Perina in Rochester, New York, we were just talking about this on Monday. So he made the pitch three different times. And frankly, the pitch is not smooth yet. We're very close, I think, to having it be compelling, but it's a struggle. (laughs) How do you talk people into paying for a quote when they're just predisposed to free quotes? But free quotes lead to crappy work. Because you can't put the time and thought into designing a project when you're not getting paid. So the design is poor. And therefore, the results are mediocre to poor in most cases. So the only way to get better results is to pay 
for better results. And it's not necessarily a ton of money. I mean, if you're going to spend six, eight grand on a new HVAC system minimum, is another three to 500 bucks a big deal? It's a 15 or 20 year decision. I mean, HVAC systems last quite a while. I mean, 10 years minimum. I mean, like you've got a bunch of kids, Bill. They are a minimum 18-year commitment. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so you want to put a little thought into those decisions. And that's an important piece. And a little bit of fear, uncertainty, and doubt put on clients and asking them to take more responsibility for the decisions to make them slow down and get away from one call closes, make it multiple visits, multiple touches. The more we can stretch this process out and we can do that with automation, to a large degree now, thanks to all kinds of new internet tools, the more we can stretch that out, the more of a relationship it is, the slower the process goes, and the more likely that clients are to make decisions that benefit both parties. So HVAC guys should be able to largely get away from selling single stage garbage, which doesn't fix anything, and should be able to sell nice multiple stage stuff. They should be able to build in enough margins so they can do more measure quick work and understand what's going on with systems, buy more tools, use more tools, get to have more fun, understand more of what's going on and actually get paid to do interesting things instead of doing them for free. And so like everyone here should benefit by doing this. And it all comes from, all right, this is a 15 or 20 year decision. Is this something you want to put some thought into? Because if you choose wrong, the only way usually to fix this problem is to rip out that brand new piece of equipment and put in another one. And by offering the AB choice, if they choose A and they don't like the piece of equipment, now you've avoided the blame. Like, okay, so I'm sorry to hear that, Mr. and Mrs. Homeowner. If you remember, we offered the choice and you chose to go with path A and we replaced like with like. So would you like to try path B now? Understanding that that's likely going to require removing that new piece of equipment. And they may squawk, but you've got a signature to point back to. There was an offer and decline and they declined. So therefore they own it. And this is a big chunk of how we avoid responsibility. We try hard to find ways to avoid responsibility that we don't get paid for. Right. But I'll make the point, you're not being irresponsible by doing that the avoidance of responsibility. So just make sure people hear that correctly. Yeah. Responsibly avoid responsibility. How's yes, that? Right. Yeah. That's very important. This is not a way to skate things and do bad work and get out of it. That's not what we're trying to do here. We're only trying to find a way to more fairly balance responsibility. I want to take a moment and mention one of the sponsors of the Building HVC Science podcast. That's Build Equinox. Build Equinox is the manufacturer of the Serve 2. That's the conditioning ERV. And of course, an ERV is an energy recovery ventilator. I like to call it a smart ventilator as it decides when to run based on integrated sensors. This very unique product contains a one-third horsepower variable speed heat pump to positively transfer more of the sensible and latent energy between this ERV's ventilation and exhaust streams. I'm so impressed with this product. I'll be using it in my own personalized performance home scheduled for occupancy by summer of 2020. So surf on over to www.buildequinox.com to learn more about the Surf 2, which by the way is American designed and made in a solar powered factory in Urbana, Illinois. Also look for an episode of the Building HVAC Science Podcast where I interview the inventor, Ty Newell. And when you get in touch, tell them the Building HVAC Science Podcast sent you. Thanks. So 
I want to pivot to the more technical side of what you actually do. We've talked about the customer side, sort of the contractual, the lead side, even the emotional side of communication, but technically what's involved? Because you did talk about having some fun doing your work. Technically, what's done in HP 2.0? So now we get to the B side. So A side is free quote, slam bam, thank you, ma'am. Don't spend a bunch of time there. Bang them out and move on and take what you get. Path B is the home comfort consult. And this is where the defined process really comes in. And I don't mind the defined process, maybe partly because we built it ourselves. But the home comfort consult, we have a very defined process for. It is step-by-step. And it's very important that the steps are done in the order that they are in the process. And we did this through a Google form for now. As this becomes a true platform, it will be part of the platform. But the Google form, we've had a lot of good feedback on. Like, wow, this is easy to follow. This makes sense. It's logical. And everything's in order. And it's in order of the Sandler steps, which are pain, money, decision. So pain is what bothers you. So you're finding out what their objectives are. You test the house, which causes more pain. If their house leaks like a sieve, they're bleeding in front of you. They're in a lot of pain. And then you open the budget discussion once you have all the pain figured out and you ask them, okay, so what's it worth to solve these problems? So not what does the equipment cost, but what is it worth to solve these problems? So now instead of talking price, you're talking value. And that is where the big projects start to happen. Because if they're like, oh, it's, it's worth 100 bucks a month to make this problem go away, 100 bucks a month is 14 grand over 15 years, which is the life of an HVAC system. Can you put in a nice HVAC system for 14 grand? I can, uh, or I can get it done because I'm not a tech. <laughs> but when you start getting to the value and you do the pain step well and you do the budget step well, and then you ask them, okay, so here's the decision. So if we can have a high likelihood of solving these problems within this budget, is this something that you will move forward on? If they say yes to that and they decline later, either you screwed up or they lied, one or the other. But that's part of where the closing ratios get really high because now you have designed a solution to their problems within a budget that they are okay with. That's the magic of Sandler, which quick plug, if this interests you at all, go buy the book or buy the audio recording and listen to it. It's by David Sandler and it's, you can't teach a kid to ride a bike at a seminar. That's the foundational book of the Sandler sales process, which like I said, is very much an anti-sales process. Like Again, if you feel like you're selling, you're screwing it up. You're doing something wrong. It is just asking questions and waiting to see what people say. So you lead, but you lead in a way like a horse and wagon. So the horse thinks they're in the lead, but we all know that it's the guy driving the horse sitting behind the horse. That's how it should work. Anyway, so getting to the technical side, which you wanted to touch on, in the home comfort consult. So like I said, for starters, you ask them a ton of questions. You actually do a little education on building science because there's always one spouse who's there because you made them be there. I call that the reluctant spouse. So you have to bring the reluctant spouse up to some kind of speed. Then you ask them a bunch of questions around the four tenets of home performance, which are comfort, health, durability, and efficiency. And then you go look at their HVAC system. And it may make sense to do static pressure testing, maybe at that step. I don't know for sure. But then you do the blower door test. And the blower door test is a ball. It's very much like being Bill Nye, the science guy in somebody's house. So it's fun for the practitioner and it's fun for the homeowners. So what we usually do is play um, prices right game. So you explain to them, 
like so one to one CFM 50. So air leakage to square footage is decent. It's like a B minus. And at that point, you will have seen their energy bills. And once you see enough energy bills, you'll start getting pretty good at guessing what the leakage is on the house. So you make a guess. And I just joke with people like, I don't get anything if I win. If I win, (laughs) nothing happens. But it's just a game that I play with myself. But then you bring them in and say, okay, so price is right rules. I'm going to guess that your 2,500 square foot house has a 4,000 blower door number. Price is right rules. What do you think? And you hope for them to be like, all right, uh, 3,501 if your guess was 3,500. So that's like, oh, you're sticking me in. So you make it fun as you do it. Then you pull the number and you see where it is and you have a brief discussion of that. And then you go do zonal pressure diagnostics, which is a really fancy word for let's walk around with a manometer and throw the tube under the door and close the door and see how leaky that room is. See how much the rooms are connected to the outside or the inside. Exactly. Through that, typically you'll begin to figure out where some issues are in the house. I mean, common stuff would be, as Jamie Clark calls them, frogs, a finished room over garage. Those are usually train wrecks for air leakage. So are the second floor of Cape Cods and bungalows and other one and a half story houses, two and a half story houses. The third floors are usually about 50% connected to outdoors. You'd be like, oh, holy cow, this is awful. Like there's no way we can control this room with HVAC or at least not with the existing system. So you could do a mini split or we can actually fix the problem at its root your choice. Although you also, you really want to avoid discussing solutions at this point because you need to leave them in pain and not give them solutions or else you will, you'll screw up the sales process. Ask me how I know this. (laughs) (laughs) All of these lessons are hard fought and hard won in the field. So this system, unlike most, is born in the field. So we know this works because we do it. And so we're constantly tweaking this thing. But when you do all those zonal diagnostics, so now you know what their equipment is, you have an idea of what it looks like, you have an idea of what size it is, it's usually going to be double or triple what it needs to be once you run a load calc. You have the blower door number, so now your load calc is tight, it's not plus or minus 50,000 BTUs, it's plus or minus 5,000. So now your load calc is not a guess. Without a blower door number, this was another Mark Perina job. He found that the load calc in Rochester for a 2,000 square foot house came out to basically three tons. It was right about 36,000 BTUs. If he tightened the house some, he could get it down to two tons. So we're talking heat pumps in a cold climate, and that's the right piece of equipment for that house or a hybrid. You could do a hybrid. And then what that house had was a 70,000 BTU furnace. And because it was oversized, it wouldn't run for long enough. And there were a bunch of comfort problems in the house because it would slam on and slam off. It short cycled unless it was really cold. And even then it was wrong. To make that furnace right sized, that house would have to be three times as leaky as it was today three times. So you could do that by opening five windows an inch, something like that. I mean, do you run your house that way in the winter? No, that's not a smart way to go. But that was what it would take to make that system right-sized. So after you do, so you've done the education, you've found what their goals are, you've looked at the HVAC, you have done the blower door test, you've done the zonal, you can do infrared if the weather permits on the rooms that are bad, but you don't want to spend too much time on that, you'll lose them. Then you sit back down and you prioritize what the problems are. 
So you know what the issues are, but now you make them rank them from one to 10. One being, I don't care. 10 being, I don't care how much it costs, fix it now. And you have them rank all those and then have them put a budget number on it. And then you discuss what the next steps look like. And that's the initial. So it's fairly technical, but the only requirements for doing an initial consult or a home comfort consult are that A, you are halfway decent with other human beings. B, you know how to run a blower door, which can be taught in a couple hours. And C, you can follow a script. That's it. Very complex process broken down into small steps that entry-level talent can do. So the whole HP 2.0 process is very carefully laid out one step at a time. There's rules for each step. Like at the initial, it's don't talk solutions. You will shoot yourself in the foot. You can begin to talk like, well, maybe it could go this way or maybe it could go that way, but you really want to avoid specifics. And then at the end of the initial, you offer them another choice. So now they have to take responsibility again. They can do what we call the A plus path, which is doing a load calculation and an equipment recommendation based on their goals. So it's kind of sort of like the free quote, only now it's a very educated quote. Or if the house is a basket case, we have a whole process for doing full home performance work, like the case studies that we do. And that whole process will be broken down. So again, most of it can be done by entry-level talent. Do you get paid for this initial? Yes. We recommend starting at something like 250 bucks. And if you are getting good at it, what's the amount of time required? These dumb things take three hours. <laughs> Okay. I wish they were shorter. Keep looking for things to cut. And every time I cut something, it screws up closing ratios. But if you think about how long you spend on free quotes, this is probably going to take you about as long as two free quotes will. But instead of having a 20, 30, maybe 40% closing ratio, you're probably going to have a 70% closing ratio or higher. And instead of a five or $7,000 ticket, the odds are your tickets are going to be upwards of 10 grand with the margins that go with that. So you talked about closing ratios and success rates. So there are obviously people involved and we're speaking to a broad community. There's probably people listening here who are actually involved with your beta programs, but there's others that aren't. So can you tell us, maybe not by name, you have dropped a couple names here, but who is involved, what kind of contractors involved and why did they get involved? Those are good questions. So I'll start with why. Yeah. Because we just asked this before we did the webinar last week. And the number one answer is why they were involved was they wanted to become better. Mm. And they were really interested in learning how to fix the other side of the duct system, which is the house. Got it. The connection. Yeah. Yep. So most HVAC guys out there have likely bumped into a project where they couldn't fix it. No matter what they did, it didn't solve the problem. Adding or subtracting equipment didn't fix it. Yes. Yeah. Boxes, ductwork changes, things like that. It's just not adequate. And I felt that same pain being an insulation contractor, that there were a lot of problems that we couldn't solve. And that was because I didn't know HVAC. So there's building shell on one side. There's like HVAC handles the interior of the house. So they handle heat, air, and moisture transfer inside the house. That's what they do. But there's also handling heat, air, and moisture transfer in and out of the house. And that is the building shell. If you have a leaky boat, you're in trouble. If you have a leaky house, you're in trouble. Like If you want to make either one of those better, you don't change the HVAC. You don't upgrade the bilge pump. You don't change the engine. You fix the leaks. And if you don't know how leaky a house is, you can't choose the right piece of equipment. Like You are totally guessing. 
utterly guessing, like anywhere between a small and an XL. That example I gave you between 24,000 and 70,000 BTUs with leakage levels that we see. Like these are not stupid levels. Like the high side, it's on the high side, like a three to one leakage ratio. That's pretty high, but I've seen a couple of them in the last year. It's not like they don't happen. And so it's really important to begin to understand the problem and define the problem better if you are going to solve client problems. And if you don't know what the building shell is doing, you're missing half the equation. And so these guys are really curious about that side and they're terrified of it, which is hilarious because I am terrified of HVAC. So we're all afraid of what we don't know. And what we need is a gentle on-ramp to learning what the things are that we don't know. You need a good one-on-one and then an on-ramp. And then once you start getting good at it, you can add your little flourishes and make it your own. But you have to have the initial training. So you talked about why contractors are getting involved. Let me pivot that and say, why are you involved? Why did you do this? Because we're moronic. (laughs) 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 Because I, I wanted to make really substandard wages for five years while figuring out how to build something that nobody else has done. You had a frustration with the status quo, but be honest, yes. right? Is that it? Is that summarizing? That's a huge part of it. Yeah. I mean, there's an environmental piece to it. Like we like the world to run on more clean energy, which typically means electric options, which sound crazy until you start doing load calcs with blower doors and you're like, oh, geez, a, a heat pump is the right piece of equipment like 80% of the time. Like that's actually all you need. And this is in the climate zones five and six. Like we're, we're talking cold climates. It's a problem we saw that needed to be solved, and Ted and I have had our teeth in this problem for about a decade at this point, and we think we're actually about ready to totally crack the nut. Cracking the nut on the process was incredibly difficult. That's been the effort of the past five or six years. And once we cracked the nut on the process, then we had to be able to codify it or codify it, however way you say that, and make it so that it can be taught to other people without requiring a huge amount of training. This needs to be like McDonald's and Taco Bell and Chipotle. It's a defined process that people can be onboarded to quickly and successfully. Right. I want to make sure people that don't know, Ted Kidd is your partner in this endeavor. He's up in Rochester, New York. You're in Cleveland, Ohio, and you've been working together. His New York State experience, your Ohio experience, and then a lot of other people have sort of come into this sort of group that you have, beta testers. Where do they hail from? So the beta guys are now starting to get all over the country. So it all started out East Coast, Virginia, North Carolina, Rochester, Michael Hausch in Dayton, Ohio. And now we've got some guys in Louisiana. There's a fellow in Colorado. So we're beginning to see a pretty good swath of the country, which is good because my climate bias is heavily towards cold climate and humid climate. And consistently, I find that what we think will work is not actually the right choice for that climate. And boots on the ground are critical for this. If you aren't there, if you aren't seeing the house, if you aren't talking to the client, if you don't know what the climate is like, the odds of coming to a successful conclusion are much lower. But the process still works. Oh, the process works. Yeah. The physics works. The answers might be different depending on the climate zone. So you did talk about education and trying to work with uh, complex problems with the entry-level talent. But you also talked about education and offering choices to the consumer. How do you go about that? How have you gone about that? I may have written a book, Bill. 
This is a softball question, dude. Okay. <laughs> That's pretty softball. So we'll see if I whiff it or if I manage to hit this sucker. So the Home Comfort book is my book. And I wrote it because there was no on-ramp to building performance. Like I love Allison Bales' site, Energy Vanguard. It's wonderful. But it's usually 201, 301, 401 stuff. Same thing with Green Building Advisor. Same thing with Joe Stebrick and BuildingScience.com. There was nothing to bring practitioners or homeowners up to speed from nothing. So I assume that you are intelligent and that you know nothing about building science. Come along. So we have made the first two chapters of the book. So it's Home Comfort 101, which in what feels like people are like 68 pages, it's really long. I had to entertainingly and quickly show what the physics are of how a house works. Your science books are a hell of a lot longer than 68 pages and probably not as interesting, I hope. And recently those have been recorded. So I recorded them for video on YouTube and we can put that link in the notes sure. of this episode. Yep. And then Tersh Blissett of Service Business Mastery Podcast has been extremely kind and made season three of his show listening to me reading the Home Comfort book. So if you are not a reader of nonfiction, I understand I suck at finishing nonfiction books. You can listen to it at this point. And the first two chapters are totally free. You can download them yourself and send them to clients. The Home Comfort 101 is a bit much. So we don't recommend actually sending that one because you'll probably lose people. But HVAC 101 has been extremely useful to a whole bunch of contractors out there because it's really simple. Homeowners actually know what good HVAC is. It just isn't in their house. It's in their car. So that chapter compares the HVAC in your car to the HVAC in your house. And your house comes up really short, really, really short. Like it's amazing what mediocrity we live with in our homes because we just don't know any better. But in your car, think about it. You have variable output. You have variable fan speed. You have fresh air on demands. You have dehumidification on demand that looks like the air conditioner button. You have filtration. And you have zones. Yeah. And you have zones. Exactly. I mean, so it's an amazing piece of HVAC equipment. And by walking people through that, it was, I'm trying to think, whose was it? It was Michael Hausch's client who's trying to figure out if he wanted to do air source or ground source heat pump because he didn't have access to gas. And Michael showed up at his house and he said, so I understand that if I want to be comfortable, I should probably live in my car. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a wonderful comment that I thought really nicely encapsulated the content. And if you send that to a consumer a day or two before you go, and hopefully they at least glance at it, and it's lots of pictures, and right? it's a, you read it for the pictures, not the content to some extent, like certain magazines. But if they take a look at that, instead of pushing back at you when you suggest higher line equipment, they're much more likely to take it. And that equipment's more fun to work with. It can deliver better results. You have more adjustments you can make, and it's more profitable. So there really isn't a lot of downside to selling better equipment once you get used to it. So obviously there's the learning curve of new equipment, but once you get used to it, it's really cool. You know that I love carrier infinity stuff because their control is basically commercial control scaled down to residential. And it's, it's just amazing equipment. And once you understand how it works and how to commission it and set it up, if a client calls me with a problem, I could be like, all right, so let's FaceTime and I'll get them into the deep settings and we'll make a few adjustments. And that usually fixes their problem. 
I just love that there's stuff like that out there where if you have single stage equipment, it's like, well, would you like on or would you like off? Because those are the options. We could change the speed tap, but that's kind of the limit of what you can change. You can change how many cycles per hour if you have a thermostat that will do that. But if you think about nice pieces of equipment, like a soundboard, like at church or at a concert, there's all of these adjustments and all of these sliders that you can move around. So if there's a complaint, you can probably fix it. Where if you think of single stage equipment more like light switches, it's like heat on off, cool on off, fan on off. That's all you got. If you can't fix within those really tight constraints, you're stuck. You're stuck. So this is a really rich topic. And I don't want to overwhelm the listeners with much more than this, because I also want to tantalize them into looking into this. I want them to learn on their own. And I know that's a big part of what you do too, is you have to have this inherent curiosity, the desire to be better. And those are the kind of people you want to work with because it results in a higher success. And there's nothing wrong with other people that don't want to do this, but this is what you found in your model, that people who want to be better work better in the system. Yes. How do they catch up with all of this. I have a link to this recent webinar you did with RetroTech. I'll put that in the show notes. Awesome. I'll put a link to your website, which is, which one do you use or do they all go to the same place? What's the best website? Well, there's probably two websites that should go up. So energysmartohio.com. Okay. That's our practice. Look at case studies. Case studies have like 50 photos each and they're like four or 5,000 words. So if you want to see what a home performance project looks like, if you don't have it figured out after that, I'm sorry, I can't help you. (laughs) It will take most of the fear out because I just walk step by step through what these projects look like. I just go through the photos of the project that I took. So case studies are really important. Nate, the house whisperer.com. That's the site for the book, the home comfort book. So you can buy that digital or print. And True Tech Tools carries the print copies as well. So please clean him out. Then the other website that's important. So th- those two are more educational. But if you want to get involved, there is the Facebook group called Home Performance 2.0 Development. That's open to everyone. There's a handful of homeowners in there. Not a lot, but a few. But That has turned into a really interesting group because there's a lot of technical discussion that gets done, like really high level technical discussion when people have hairy problems because some of the best practitioners in the country are in that group. And that was kind of accidental. That's not what I meant it for, (laughs) but that's a, a nice thing that it serves. But it's mainly about talking about Home Performance 2.0 and beginning to develop it out. But that is the feeder group, if you will. So there won't be a huge amount of depth there. There's the beta group above that, which is, it's actually the Home Performance 2.0 sales group is the name of the Facebook group. And to get into that, currently there's no cost. That's not going to last a whole heck of a lot longer, but there are some hurdles to clear. So to do that, you need to be giving out the HVAC 101 chapter and you have to give us a story of what happened. And there's all kinds of great stories. Like Mike McRoberts out in San Diego a couple of months ago said he sent the chapter out to a client. He got there and they were like, wow, we can tell you really care about what you do. We want to work with you. That was just an amazing thing that you sent. It didn't cost him anything. Right. (laughs) He just sent it. It was an email. Like, come on. So we've heard a lot of stories along those lines. So send them out. Let us know what happened. But to truly join the sales group, you need to read the whole home comfort book. That is not blatant self-promotion. It's if you don't read it, you're going to have a bunch of questions. They're just going to slow you down. So you need to do your homework. 
reading the Sandler book, you can't teach a kid to ride a bike at a seminar or listening to it because lots of HVAC guys obviously have windshield time driving around. So use your windshield time. And then you also need to have a blower door. So that's just, if you don't have one, you need to be able to borrow one or subcontract the blower door testing to someone, but understand that's going to eat pretty much all of the money. So it's better if you have one. And True Tech Tools sells both brands, that's correct? That's correct. Yep. Okay. So RetroTech or the Energy Conservatory, and both are good products. Those are the requirements to join. So you have to give out HVAC 101 and tell a story of what happens. So that's an absolute must. You want to read my book, read the Sandler book, and have a blower door. And if you do all of those, we do meetings every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern, and we talk about what's going on and how do we make this thing better? Because it's still beta. This is all held together with duct tape and bubble gum for the moments until it becomes a true software platform. And once that happens, this is going to get far easier, but then it's going to come with a much higher cost than helping us figure this out. So the sales group is meant to be a win-win for both sides. So you as an HVAC contractor are going to begin to understand home performance in a way that you didn't before. And you're going to be able to use the process as duct tapey as it is. But then from you, we understand what's working and what's not so we can improve it. Right. And you... It requires an investment either of your effort in building this or an investment of cash because somebody else built it for you. So yeah, there's a trade-off there. Yeah. And I do want to talk just a little bit more, just a couple more minutes about the fact that this is totally independent of any programs. This is a grassroots effort based on physics and passion for doing things correctly, for being better. And why is that? Because every program adds friction to the sales process and lowers your closing ratio, lowers job sizes, lowers job satisfaction. If you show me a program, I will show you the whole of it. It may be small, Mm -hmm. I'll grant you, but every program has some little way where they are adding sand and friction to the process. And this needs to be grease, like particularly selling these bigger projects. Bill, how many people are running $30,000 average projects in the US doing home performance? There's handfuls. Yeah, uh, 10 maybe in the whole country. That's not adequate. That is not 40% growth. That's not going to solve the problem. No. Problem that we perceive, you and I and a lot of others perceive. And the other thing is maybe people don't perceive the problem either. <laughs> Well, that's part of it too. And it's normal. So we've talked about this before. There's engineer mindset versus mechanic mindset. And in general, HVAC guys are mechanics. I am not a very good mechanic. I kind of suck at it. If you give me a broken piece of equipment, I'm going to head for YouTube just like everybody else. I don't know how to fix that stuff. I haven't been trained. So my hat is off to the spectacular mechanical abilities of HVAC contractors out there. Now, the engineering side is stepping back and looking at everything as a system and pulling things together. Then that is someplace where we have a lot of strength, I think, like not to toot my own horn, but that's something we're good at. And ideally, we will mix those two skill sets. Yeah, you amplify the efforts. Yeah. If you're a good mechanic, let's make you a good engineer too. It's not that hard. You just need a system. I look at like Hausch. I'm just in awe of Hausch. I got to spend a couple days with them back in February. The dude's like, okay, so this is broken, which means it's this, this, or this, and I should check this first, and then that, and then that. It's just how he thinks. So it's a combination of mechanic and engineer mindset. So if we can inject a little more engineering 
into the HVAC industry, I think everybody's going to be better for it. I think you're on it. That's a perfect way to close. (laughs) I like that thought of the synergy, the engineering outlook, amplifying the mechanical aptitude, and then really solving people's problems that result in all these nice outcomes of comfort, healthier homes, more durable, and more energy efficient. And usually that loading order is what people are interested in too. And that's part of what I think you teach. And that's even why the title is the Home Comfort Book. Yeah. Well, it was supposed to be the home performance book. And I decided I was tired of talking about home performance and defining it like home comfort. Oh, okay. Now everybody knows what I'm talking about. Cool. Okay. Any closing thoughts here for our listeners? Join us at the Home Performance 2.0 Development Group and lurk. Watch. Give it a taste. Give it a bite. See if you like it. See if it intrigues you. There's more and more uh, richness of content developing there. Great dialogue. Very open forum. I got to say... Congratulations to you and Ted for building this thing. Well, thanks, Bill. Even if it has its moments. (laughs) It does. Everything (laughs) does in life. That's what makes life interesting. We're all human. (laughs) It does. Well, thanks for doing this. I really appreciate you having me back on. Okay, cool. Take care, everyone, and thank you for listening to the Building HVAC Science Podcast. We'll be back at you again next time. I want to thank you for listening into this podcast about an update on Home Performance 2.0 with Nate Adams. You can find other trade-oriented podcasts, Tool Pro, Service Business Mastery, HVAC School, all those podcasts on the Blue Collar Roots Network by going to www.bluecollarroots.com. We're trying to do our part to help transform and professionalize the trades by filling the skills gap through training and communications. Other trade-related resources and influencers out there in the social media world include Zach Ciotta of HVAC Shop Talk, HVAC Reefer Guy, Mike Mayberry, Grayson Corbett Lunsford of HomeDiagnosis.tv, yes, that's the first TV show on home performance and ties in directly to this episode, or follow Jim Bergman on the Measure Quick YouTube channel or Facebook. I also host the Res Talk podcast, so give a listen to that sometime. That's R-E-S-T-A-L-K. You can find that. You can learn about the rapidly expanding world of home energy ratings and some other peripheral topics. If you want to keep up with other things that I find interesting, follow Building HVAC Science on Facebook. You just type that right into the search bar on Facebook and look us up there. Here's a quote for the day. True genius lies not in doing the extraordinary things, but in doing ordinary things extraordinarily well. That's by Lewis H. Wilson. That's General Lewis H. Wilson, Jr. If you're interested in becoming a sponsor of the Building HVAC Science Podcast, please drop an email to me at bill at bluecollarroots.com. Some of the topics we discuss require technical training for proper interpretation or safe execution. So if you're a trained pro, go right ahead. If you're not, please consult with and hire a pro. The Building HVAC Science Podcast is a production of True Tech Tools Limited. In full disclosure, I'm a co-owner of True Tech. Any opinions voiced are those of my guests or myself, not of True Tech Tools. If you're in the market for some tools or test instruments mentioned in the podcast or Nate's book, perhaps, you can take a look at truetechtools.com. That's T-R-U-T-E-C-H tools.com. You can use the code HVACBS for a nice discount. As always, thank you for listening and following us and building HVAC science. If you're not subscribed, please do so, or please give us a review in the podcast app of your choice. Thanks again. Have a wonderful day and go out there and do some extraordinary things, or at least do some ordinary things extraordinarily. Take care all.